Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this new session. I, I, this morning, I want to continue still on the topic of prayer, on the subject of prayer. Uh, we've been talking about the theology of prayer over the last three sessions, and uh, and uh, we're almost done with this with this series on the theology of prayer. I just want to add some very important uh, aspects. I want to discuss some very crucial aspects that I have not touched on in the previous sessions. But you remember uh, what we said about the prayer life of Jesus. We talked about how Jesus uh, enjoyed constant, was in constant and continual fellowship with the Father. But one thing that really enabled that was his, uh, his life of obedience. Jesus was so sensitive and obedient to the promptings of the Father, the Spirit of God. He said in Matthew 5, it, uh, only what the Father does, uh, that's exactly what the Son does also. The Son does nothing except what He sees the Father do. So Jesus uh, was in a position of reproducing what He saw the Father do, meaning what, he, what the Father led Him to do, He did it. What the Father asked him to do, he did it. And we said he, he put himself in a position of humility before the Father where the, the Father's thought and the Father's will was given a primacy over his own thoughts and his own will. We talked about the importance of having this kind of humble and submissive attitude uh, towards God. And... Uh, and I believe that the, the last point that we discussed in the prayer life of Jesus last week uh, was uh, the fact that he had experiences. He had uh, supernatural manifestations and encounters in his prayer life. We, we talked about the, uh, uh, the, the account in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 29, where he, uh, he took along Peter, John, and James he took them up to a mountain to pray, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, the Bible says, and his clothes became dazzling white. So now this was just this was a physically visible experience that Jesus had, but he had many other experiences and supernatural manifestations. In fact, his life, his daily life was uh, a, a constant stream of supernatural manifestations, of supernatural encounters. Jesus was the miracle man. He was the miracle working uh, Messiah. He would heal the sick. He would, you know, supernaturally minister to people. He would see things in people's lives. He would hear people's thoughts. You know, his life was full of the supernatural, full of the divine. And, uh, and one thing I said was that our prayer life should be, should produce supernatural manifestations our prayer life should produce something that is beyond natural strength in fact the sign that your prayer life is effective is that it produces in your life results that are bigger than your natural ability it produces in your life academic results that are bigger than your natural ability it produces in your life Business results that are bigger than your natural ability. It produces in your life, you know, supernatural manifestations that are far beyond, you know, uh, the parameters of what you could have done by yourself. 
You know, it is not by your own power. It is not in and by yourself that you can declare a thing and it happens, that you can lay hands on the sick and they recover, that you can, you know, speak a thing and you see it come to pass, that you can talk to a mountain and you, and you see it move. It is not in and by yourself that you can do this, but a, an effective prayer life opens the, the life of the child of God to the supernatural, to the impossible, to the divine. The Bible says nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. And and one thing that I've come to know over the over you know over time and, and with my experience and with my walk with God is that there are levels of belief, there are levels of faith that you will not even reach if you don't learn to fellowship with God. You know, faith that is only as a result of the word you have heard is a good level of faith that is a starting point. But there is another level after you have heard this word. This word, it is in your fellowship with God that the initial faith that you had from hearing the word actually becomes something more than just belief in the word you've heard, but it becomes a supernatural revelation within your spirit. And at that point in time, your faith becomes natural. And it is no longer your faith. It is the faith of the Son of God. And it produces results. Somebody asked me, but why is it that some people call the name of Jesus? Some, you know, some believers uh, uh, will call the, the name of Jesus and we see things happening. And other believers call the name of Jesus and nothing happens. The difference is fellowship. The difference is fellowship. The difference is fellowship. And then the revelation and, and, and the power and the living faith that fellowship produces. All believers know that these signs shall follow them who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons in my name. They shall speak in new tongues in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And in my name, if they drink of any deadly beverage, it shall do them no harm. All believers know these. But how many believers actually experience this? How many believers? How many believers actually experience these all these things? So, uh, so that is the importance of prayer. Prayer does not purchase anything from God. Like I've, like I've said a couple of times already, prayer does not purchase anything from God. We already have everything. We have already received everything. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, all things are yours. Whether life or death, all things are yours. Okay? All things are ours. And in Christ Jesus, we have received everything. All believers have in themselves the power, have resident within themselves the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says in Romans that if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so you have the same power within you because the, the spirit of God dwells within you. So you have the same resurrection power that took Jesus out of the grave. It is within uh, the spirit of every believer, it is resident within you. But why can't we do anything with it? Why is, the, is it that many of us are still living defeated, powerless lives? You know, and even after you've, you've, got, you've come to know uh, uh, so many things in Scripture, you've come to know who you are in Christ and things like that. But, you know, knowing, knowing who you are and what He's done is not enough. You it's intellectual knowledge of all these things is not enough what you need after you have gotten the information is 
fellowship. It's fellowship. It's fellowship. You need a vibrant, fiery uh, prayer life. You, 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 need, you need to grow in fellowship with the Father. And uh, it is in the place of fellowship that all these things, that all are positioned, everything that you have positionally will become experiential. You, can't, you, 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 you need to make up your mind that your position in Christ must become your condition in, in life, your experience in life. It is not enough. It's not good enough to know your position. At the end of the day, knowing your position will even be a source of frustration when after 10 years you have not experienced anything out of that position that you knew you had. The Bible says that the heir, as long as he's a child, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. There are things that as long as you learn to do them, as long as you grow to a certain level of maturity, even though you positionally possess all things, you will not be different from uh, other believers who do not have any knowledge at all. And at times, you will not even be uh, different from unbelievers. In fact, so many believers are not different from unbelievers. They're not different. They're not different. They're not different from unbelievers. There's many believers who simply are not different from uh, unbelievers. And uh, in terms of their daily lives and their daily experience, they are still overpowered by the same things that overpower unbelievers. They are still afraid of the same things that unbelievers are afraid of. They are still affected by the same things that affect unbelievers, you know, and, and yet they have resurrection power living on the inside of them. So, so I, I, so I want to share something that is very key, very uh, pivotal. And that thing is desire. I want to talk about desire this morning. What will make the difference is desire. Desire is the starting point towards your next level with God. Desire is the starting point towards your next level with God. Without a strong desire for something more glorious, for a more glorious experience of Christianity, without a strong desire to know him deeper without a strong desire you are not going anywhere without a strong desire uh, christianity will remain historical to you it will not become experiential but like i said in our pre in one of our previous sessions we do not preach a historical christ he is historical he came you know uh, you know, and and some things have happened in the past, but he is and he is the God of the encounter. He is the God of the experience. He is a living God. He is there today. The Spirit of God is a reality. You know, he's a person. He's alive, and he is with us. So we are not we we're not talking history. We're talking life experience. Something that is daily. Something that is living. Something that is powerful, and the key. To open that door is desire. It is desire. A lot, you know, if, if we finish talking about prayer without mentioning desire, then we have missed everything. It is desire. It is desire that will open the, you know, the, the door to the next levels. If, if you don't desire it, nothing will happen. You see, Christianity is not accidental. Christianity is not accidental. And uh, if it were accidental, then uh, everybody would accidentally experience the glory of God. But we, we don't experience the glory of God accidentally. It, it is 
purposeful desire. You, you desire something. You desire to know God. You desire. It is, you know, in, um, uh, you remember this scripture, uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, but uh, they that come to him must first believe that he is and that he is the rewarder, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I just want to say something about the fact that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He rewards them that diligently seek him, them that really want something so bad. And the good news from this scripture is that he rewards, meaning he gives you what you want. He will give that to you. But there has to be some diligence to it. There has to be some diligence to it. There has to be some strong desire to it. Okay, and uh, Matthew, uh, the Lord Jesus in the Beatitudes said it this way. He said, uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they shall be satisfied. It is a prophecy. They shall be satisfied. So whenever, uh, if, if, if you want satisfaction, just begin to hunger and thirst. Just begin to hunger and thirst. You shall be, you will be satisfied. It's a prophecy. It is a promise. And in fact, it is more than just a promise even. It's a statement of fact. Jesus is saying that those who hunger and thirst, in fact, if, if you want to prophesy uh, satisfaction to your future. Just begin hungering and thirsting. It's a prophecy. It will come to pass. You will be satisfied. That's the good news about it. You, I, I start with this, with the fact that he rewards and that he satisfies to let you know that your quest will not be vain. Your quest will not be, you know, your desire, your hunger will not be left uh, unmet. Your thirst will not be left unquenched. What you thirst for, you will have. You know, and so uh, my foundational scripture this morning is uh, Psalm 63, uh, verse 1 and 2. Uh, it says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. He says, uh, my, my, my soul, my, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land, in a place where nothing is happening. I'm not seeing anything. Some, you know, in, sometimes your life just feels like a dry and thirsty land. Sometimes I feel like that, you know. Your, your life just feels like a dry and thirsty land. You, you, you know that things are supposed to be better than they are. You know that there is, there's, there's got to be something more to Christianity than what you are experiencing. You know that. You know that. And, then, and, and it creates a thirst. It, cre it has to create a thirst. It has to create a thirst. You know, it has to create a longing. Because longing is the secret to seeing the power and the glory of God. If if you don't if you don't learn, if you don't long, if you don't desire, it will be very difficult. It will be very you know, once in a while you see some droplets. But that is what makes the difference between the leaders and the followers. Those who are the leaders are those who have longed and thirsted enough to actually go after what they longed for and thirsted after. And that is what made them leaders. Why is it that why why is it that the leaders? Why is it that the great men of God? Why is it that 
uh, some of the people who've gone ahead of you can do certain things. You have the same Bible as them. You have the same everything, the same Holy Spirit. Why, why, why? Why do they? Why can your leaders do things that you cannot do? Because they go after things more than you do. Because they have a stronger desire. Because while you're still sleeping till 9 o'clock, they're up at 6. They're up at 5. They're up at 4. They do some things that you don't do. They, you know, they, uh, uh, we have to face reality here. The apostle, the, 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 uh, you know, King David says, early will I seek thee. Is this my, my, my quest for thee, my desire for you gets me up before everybody else. He gets me up before I would have normally gotten up if I did not seek thee, if I, if I, if I did not thirst for you. But then that, that's not even my focus here. Um, he said, my soul thirsts for you and my flesh longeth after you. My flesh longs for you. And one thing I said about this here is, um, uh, in, in, in Assam, in one of our sessions in Assam is that when he says my flesh longs for you, it means that there is a level of desire for God that will affect even your flesh, your body. I mean, your physical you know, the physical you will feel, will, will do something. Uh, my flesh longs for you. My flesh longs for you. My flesh doesn't long for food here or for water because I'm in a dry and thirsty land. The land is dry and thirsty, but what my flesh desires is you. You see, there is a level of desire for God that will make you to want to forego food at times. There is a dimension of appetite for God that will sometimes take away appetite for everything else, take away appetite for food. You know, this is not, it's not about performance because there are people who go, you know, uh, into prayer, into uh, all kinds of things, into fasting, into studying scripture out of, out of a performance mindset, you know. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about a child of God who desires to know God and experience Him and and get other people to experience God because that's what we live for to know him to experience him and get other people to know him to know him you experience his glory and take that glory to other people that's that's what we live for that's what we live for but desire 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 sometimes your desire has to be so strong it keeps you up at night it takes you it takes away your appetite and that is why there is some holy misery some holy dissatisfaction that those who have done great things with god have all experienced there is no one in history who has been greatly greatly used by god who has not experienced this kind of holy dissatisfaction this kind of you know you're just fed up with everything and you want this one thing. Like David also said in another psalm, I believe it's in Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 42, where he said, this one thing have I desired, one thing have I desired of the Lord. There's, there's a point in time in your life where you so much desire God. You so much desire God. And you so much desire to see His glory being manifested in, in, in that specific area that He's called you to. That your life is reduced to one thing, one quest. Any other thing outside of that one thing 
it's boring it, it, it doesn't help it doesn't satisfy in fact until you get to that place where you want one thing uh, I believe that you have not yet reached the place of praying of, of what I call destiny prayers destiny prayers where your life is reduced to that one thing now that one thing may contain a thousand more but but everything is just summed up in one thing one thing you desire god and his will and that and and nothing else now that takes various shapes and forms based on his calling for your life but it becomes one thing to you so desire you know uh the famous Scottish uh, man of God that was greatly used for revival in the 16th century called John Knox. John Knox said, this is the prayer that he was uh, famous for making in, in his day and which God answered. He said, give me Scotland or I die. He said, Father, give me Scotland or I die. It's just like somebody, you know, here is saying, Father, give me Cameroon or I die. Father, give me Nigeria or I die. Father, give me Gabon or I die. Father, give me the university uh, uh, communi uh, community or I die. Father, give me the education of my country or I die. Father, give me the world of media in this nation for you or I die. Father, give, give me the politics of this nation or I die. Father, give me the souls of this nation or I die. Another great man of God, uh, I believe is John Whitefield. But anyway, the name is Whitefield. I can't remember the, his first name. His surname is Whitefield. Whitefield. He said, give me souls or take my souls. See, these guys were so passionate. They went after God with such a strong desire for something. Somebody may have a strong desire for revival in the church of his country. Another one may have a strong desire to see poverty being eradicated out of you know, out from among believers, poverty being eradicated from among believers, or poverty being eradicated in his nation. Somebody may take up a dream, take up a challenge and say, Father, poverty will end in my day. You know, somebody may take up another another challenge and say, Lord, this is what I will live for. These guys had found that one thing that they wanted to live for. And they desired it so bad that it caused them to go after God like crazy people, like crazy people. In fact, we need to reach this level where we go hard after God. The, the uh, you know, King David said, my soul goeth hard after thee. My soul goes hard after you. It's, you know, I don't just follow you uh, negligently. I do not just follow you. Uh, uh, conveniently, no, my soul, my soul goes hard after you. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I I, I do that with all my strength. It's still in this. Uh, it's in Psalm sixty-eight. No, Psalm sixty-three that we are reading already, and it's in verse eight. It says, "My soul followeth hard after you." You know, it's it, it's serious business to me. It is serious business. And I'm putting all I have and all I am into this. And my prayer for us in this season is that we will desire God like that. Is that we will desire God. Nothing happens. Nothing very big happens until you really desire it. So what is what is the drive behind your prayer life? Because without a prayer life, a prayer life with without a without a drive, without a strong passion, 
without strong desire to know God and to experience His glory, your prayer life will just be uh, it will just be performance based. It will, it will it will just be religion. I've seen people who can pray the whole day, you know, fast for twenty one days straight without food, and they come out of it with not one drop of power, with not with nothing, with you know, they come out of that place not increased, not knowing God deeper. Uh, why? Because because they were just doing it for the records. They were just doing it for the records. Now we when when we talk about you know over the past uh, three sessions when we talk about all these things when we talked about the importance of staying long in prayer. I don't believe in short prayers. I don't believe it has taken anybody anywhere in history. You know because our theology also has to be you know. What does history show? So I, I do not believe that uh, five-minute prayer every day will really take you the same length with God as one hour, two hours every day. But but at the same time, we don't want to have a uh, this a, a performance mindset because we're not trying to purchase anything from God. We're not trying to prove anything to God. Okay, but of, but 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 you can have a microwave uh, kind of fellowship, you know. Uh, you don't build solid, deep revelation and deep knowledge of God, you know, by just spending five minutes, just giving him five minutes of attention to him. Remember in the, in the, in one of the first uh, messages, I believe in the very first message in this session, in this series on the theology of prayer, I mentioned the fact that prayer is simply learning to pay attention to God. So those who pay attention the longer, those who spend the most time paying attention, you know, both in scripture and in prayer, you know, in worship, in fellowship, in, in all of that, and, and in listening to the voice of the Father, those who pay attention, you know. So those who do pay attention uh, come out of that experience with greater strength, with greater revelation, with greater power, with greater manifest power. So... What is your desire? We, we could not just finish this without me talking about desire. I, I had planned in this session to uh, answer some other, quickly trash some other doctrinal issues surrounding prayer. Um, but I felt that I had to talk about desire. Do you desire? Do you have a strong desire? And uh, desire can be manufactured. You can learn to, to create desire i i am hoping that as we listen to this session it is bringing desire is creating it is awakening desire within us but but whether it is happening for you or not one thing is sure you can create it you can create it you know everything the bible says the just shall live by faith sometimes you don't feel like you really have a strong desire for god and for his glory you know and and um for his purposes, you don't feel a strong desire for that, but you open your mouth and you say, Father, I don't feel it. You know, be be very blunt and be very honest with God. Say, Lord, I don't really feel any desire, but give me one, give me one, give me desire. And then and then some and then your desire will grow by asking. It will grow. It will grow as you go after him. It will grow as you ask. It will grow. It will grow. Sometimes you don't feel like praying, but just begin to pray and say, Lord, I don't even feel like praying. I don't want to pray, but help me want to make me love this thing. Make me like it. Lord, I want to learn to fellowship with you. 
the desire is not that is is not really there and then you constrain yourself the love of god constrain me discipline of consecration is about constraint you constrain yourself you see when hussein bolt gets up in the morning and he thinks about the olympics that are coming up in a couple of months he may not feel like going to the to the field and running and and training but he just gets up and does it at a given point in time spiritual discipline means that i don't feel like doing it but i get up and i do it because it's good for me and i do it not out of religion but i do it because i know that in that place of discipline i will encounter god i will come out of that place stronger better you know more full of the word more full of of revelation i will come out of that place knowing god better so i just want to encourage somebody let your desire grow let your desire increase desire the power of god desire the presence of god desire to know him desire to be transformed desire to experience the truth that you have learned desire to experience the truths that you learn on a daily basis in the word of god desire them desire for those things that are positional to become experiential desire for glorious manifestations in your ministry those of you maybe you are you are, you are a public minister of the word or you're or or you're a song minister i mean those of you who are ministering from the pulpit whether in in preaching or in singing the power of god must be released through your ministry it it must be released through your ministry you cannot be a song minister a worship leader and uh, and you have no desire that while you're singing people get healed you have no desire that while you're singing god can show you some things and you can minister to people in a supernatural way you are not a singer you are not a singer you are not a singer you are leading people into an encounter with god that's your ministry that is your ministry and the preacher is not a preacher the preacher is not a preacher you are not just a preacher you are a bridge that you know that people will use to have an encounter with god to meet with god jesus said i am the door so when you pass through me you have an encounter with the father and he has made us preachers ministers you know he has given us the ministry of reconciliation meaning that we are the ones that bring people into contact with him right now our our mandate on planet earth is to bring people into contact with divinity oh my god and that should be your desire father as i do what i do i want to bring people in contact with divinity i want to bring people in contact with you i don't just want to speak words i want somebody to be in contact with divinity I don't just want to sing. I want somebody to come in contact with divinity. I don't just want to uh, do my work. I, I want somebody to to come in contact with with divinity. Let every one of you have that kind of desire. Whatever the domain, the area to which God has called you, you can bring somebody to get into contact with God. So may God bless you. Uh, and uh see you on friday for the next uh for the next meditation for the next morning encounter god bless you